and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. Well, I'm very excited to have the opportunity to go through a little bit of the Word with you tonight. About We're going to be going through a record that you know, I just think is exciting and, and um, really interesting. Some of us have been working through Walter Cummins' Renewed Mind class. We've been reading through the syllabus and thinking a lot about renewing the mind, and this kind of jumps right off of that, that same page. Um, you know, the world that we live in is controlled by the adversary. Adam handed the deed to earth over when he sinned, and his sin was disobeying. He disobeyed God's law, he ate of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, and with that sin, with that disobedience, gave it all over to the adversary. So we're living in this world where it is just controlled by the devil. And everything that we're bringing in on our five senses level, we need to bring that all unto subjection according to God's word. We all need to take this information in and put it against God's Word and see whether we need to throw it out or whether it lines up with God's Word. That sin that Adam committed, that disobedience separated him from God. And that's what sin is. Sin is separation from God. It's the result of disobedience. Adam originally had a spiritual connection with God. He had perfect fellowship, and his disobedience brought about that separation between God and man in spirit and in fellowship. And in the Old Testament, man could have fellowship in part, and after fellowship, man could receive eternal life, spirit, and fellowship in part. When we're gathered together, we will not only have eternal life and spirit, but perfect fellowship, no sin, no disobedience, and no separation. But it's that disobedience is what caused that separation. And Pat did an incredible teaching last week on that four-letter word, obey, four-letter word. And as he was teaching that, I was sitting next to my daughter on the couch, and I'm nudging her the whole time saying, are you listening? Are you listening? <laughs> and then I, thought, I felt God smacking me saying, are you listening? Are you listening? <laughs> okay, all right, I got it. So obey. And it's important to recognize the way that God set things up, that God set families up, that God set employers and employees up, that it's not this obey that the world has where I'm just barking orders and you have to do exactly what I say and you have no free will and blah, blah, blah. And that, that's not love. That's not the way that God made things to be. It's, it's that subjection in the order that things are supposed to go where people obey so that everybody gets blessed and then everybody gets built up and everything is decent and in order. You would turn to the book of Acts, chapter 5. We're going to 
we're going to quickly look at this and then, and then jump into another record. But I love reading in the book of Acts how, how awesome the apostles were, how bold they were. I was thinking of another word that I can't say on TV. That, you know, these apostles are walking around and they're speaking the truth of God's word and they're preaching Jesus Christ and they were met with a lot of opposition. They were thrown in jail, they were beaten, they were persecuted, but they never stopped. And I love that every time they get locked up, beat up, put in trouble, they just come back stronger and they're like, no, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. So in Acts chapter 5, and we'll start in verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles, and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors, and brought them forth, and said, Go, stand, and speak in the temple, to the people, all the words of this life. And I just love that. They get thrown in prison, and that night, God sends an angel and opens up the prison doors. Opens up prison doors. Verse 21, And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with him and called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. So these high priests, these Sadducees, they think these guys are still in prison. And they go, they send people to go get these apostles out because they want to do whatever, um, they want to talk to them. Verse 22, But when the officers came and found them not in prison, they returned and told, saying, the prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. They're saying the doors were locked, the guards were there, everything was as it should be. There's nobody in the cell. They're gone. <laughs> Verse 24. Now when the high priests and the captains of the temple and chief priests heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. <laughs> then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought him them, they sat them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. We ought to obey God rather than men. O-B-E-Y, four-letter word. Um, and with that in mind, we're going to turn to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 15 and read a little record about a guy who wasn't so good at obeying God. We're going to talk about Saul for a little bit. Now Saul was chosen by God. He was anointed by God to be king over Israel. 
But Saul had some problems. Saul always seemed to think that he had a better idea. He would listen and sort of carry out what the Lord said, but not always right to the letter. And he'd been reproved multiple times, a few times. And then we get to this record in chapter 15. Starting in verse 1. Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore, hearken now unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Lord saying, I remember Amalek and all the awful things he did to the children of Israel when we came up out of Egypt. I want you to wipe them out. I want you to take care of the Amalekites. And he's very specific. Go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. This is not difficult to understand. This isn't some mystery. God's not being vague. There's not broad strokes here. God's telling him what to do. But slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. All the, all the Amalekites, all of their animals, everything that they have, wipe them off the face of the earth. Verse 4. And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. So Saul's got his army together. They went to this city where the Amalekites are, and they're outside and they're waiting. They're planning their attack. And Saul said unto the Kenites, Go, depart, get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For ye showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So there's this group of people, the Kenites, that are in there, and Saul's giving them warning, saying, Beat it, we're about to blow this place up. You guys were nice to the children of Israel. We don't have any problems with you. Get out of here before you get hurt as well. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. Verse 7. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest to Shur, that is, over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refuse, that they destroyed utterly. You guys remember that figure of speech we went over a couple weeks ago? Polly Sindenton? He spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and the fatlings. God's showing you he didn't listen. Saul didn't listen and he spared all of these things. He did not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refuse, that they took care of. That's what they destroyed. Verse 10. 
Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. Samuel loved Saul. He anointed him. He's the prophet that God sent to have Saul picked to be king over Israel. They had a relationship. They knew each other. They would hang out. Um, so Samuel, was, he was grieved. He cried all night unto the Lord. He was sad about this. He was upset with Saul, and, and he just couldn't believe that this was happening. He, he cried unto the Lord all night. Verse 12. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Camel, Carmel, and behold, he set him up a place and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul. Verse 13, And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Saul's real proud of himself. He's happy to see Samuel. He's saying, Blessed be thou, man. What's up? I just took care of everything God told me to do. I ought to pat myself right on the back. I, I carried out the commandment of the Lord. So, verse 13, he denies that he ever did anything wrong just by saying that. He denies any guilt. I performed the commandment of the Lord, knowing full well that he didn't. Verse 14, And Samuel said, What meaneth then the bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Samuel, God already told Samuel what's going on. Saul doesn't know that Samuel knows. And he's, I carried out the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel says, Well, what's all this sheep that I hear outside? What's this oxen that I hear outside? Verse 15, and Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. So he belittles his error, saying, Well, we only saved the best stuff. We only took the best stuff to sacrifice for the Lord. You know, that's, we have to do that. Um, you know, anything that was bad, we took care of. But, you know, we wanted to save this stuff. The people, the people did it. So he's saying, he goes from denying any guilt at all to now he is belittling his error, making it sound not so bad, and that the only reason that they spared it was for a good reason, because they're going to sacrifice it to the Lord. Verse 16, Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? And the Lord sent thee on a journey, and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Samuel saying, didn't God say all this to you? 
Did he not tell you to go on this journey, those sinners, the Amalekites, and destroy them, wipe them out? Verse 19, Wherefore then, why then, didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but did fly upon the spoil, and did evil in the sight of the Lord? He said, if God told you to go and wipe out the Amalekites, why did you not do that? Why did you fly upon the spoil? Why did you run towards the treasure, the shiny stuff, the fatlings and the calves? And you kept the very best. You flew towards the spoil. Why did you not uh, carry out what the Lord said? And he says, did evil in the sight of the Lord. By not obeying, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Verse 20. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gigal. So Saul immediately throws people under the bus. It couldn't have been me. I did what I was supposed to do. The people wanted to keep all this stuff. The people took the spoil. The people took the sheep and oxen, and they brought it to sacrifice unto the Lord. Verse 22. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than that fat of rams. It's better to obey the voice of the Lord, to obey what God told you to do, word for word, every dot every I, cross every T. Do as God commanded you to do. He, God, God wanted you to obey. He didn't want these sacrifices. It's better to obey than to sacrifice and to hearken, to listen, and to carry it out than the fat of rams. Verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. The first and great commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So by sheer logic, the first and greatest sin is to put anything above God, and that's idolatry. God doesn't mess around with idolatry. And he's saying here that rebellion is the sin of witchcraft is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Because of Saul's thinking he had a better plan, not obeying and listening to what God said. God rejects him from being king. Verse 24, And Saul says unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. He still doesn't take full responsibility. He's still saying, yeah, I screwed up. Yeah, I did it wrong. Because I feared the people. The people wanted to take the spoil. The people wanted to do this, and I feared them, and I obeyed the people. Isn't he the king? Yes. Aren't they supposed to be listening to him? Yes. He still just cops out. He still doesn't take the responsibility. Yes. 
He almost does. It sounds like he's going to. But at the very end, verse 24. Yeah, Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore, verse 25, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. God already had another guy lined up. A guy after his own heart. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Skip to verse 32. Samuel is not a prophet that messed around. And I just love this part because Saul didn't take care of business. Samuel's going to. Verse 32. Then said Samuel, Bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag come, came unto him delicately. And Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. You don't, let's let bygones be bygones here. We don't really need any more bloodshed. Surely you're not still mad about all the people that we killed, right? And, you know, we could just forget about this whole thing, you know. Verse 33, And Samuel said, As thy sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house to Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. Uh, turn to uh, chapter 31 of 1 Samuel. So we see that From a five senses point of view, if you were a king and you went in to wipe out some, some people, some, some nation, you know, what do they do with the armies? You go in, you wipe out the guys that are fighting against you, and then you take of the spoils. You take the best of their ammunition, their best tanks, their best buildings, their best people. But that's not what God told Saul to do. He told him to go in and utterly destroy the Amalekites, wipe them out completely. Saul didn't do it, and it was not the first time that he didn't obey God. So because of that, Saul lost the kingdom. He was going to, he lost that connection with God. Samuel did not see him again until the day that he died. In uh, 1 Samuel 31, we'll start in verse 1. Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain in Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons. And the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Melchishua, Saul's sons. So we're in a battle again. Saul's whole life he's in war with the Philistines. 
They're in a hard battle. The Philistines are pushing, and they kill Saul's three sons, Joshua, uh, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malchishua. Verse 3, And the battle went sore against Saul, and the archers hit him, and he was sore wounded of the archers. Then said Saul unto his armor-bearer, Draw thy sword, and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come, and thrust me through, and abuse me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he was sore, sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword, and fell upon it. Saul sees that the battle is lost, that the Philistines are coming, and he did not want to deal with everything that the Philistines were going to do to him, so he tells his armor-bearer to kill him. And his armor-bearer won't, so Saul takes his sword out and falls upon it and tries to kill himself. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. So Saul died and his three sons and his armor-bearer and all his men that same day together. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 1. Now it came to pass, after the death of Saul, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, and David had abode two days in Ziklag. It came even to pass on the third day that, behold, a man came out of the camp from Saul with his clothes rent and earth upon his head. And so it was, when he came to David, that he fell to the earth and did obeisance. So David's off does his fight with the Amalekites, he's back, and this guy runs up who was in the camp with Saul, with the Israelites, clothes tattered, dirt all over his face, and he falls down and praises David. He does obeisance. Verse 3, And David said unto him, From whence comest thou? And he said unto him, Out of the camp of Israel am I escaped. And David said unto him, How went the matter? I pray thee, tell me. And he answered, that the people are fled from the battle, and many of the people also are fallen and dead. And Saul and Jonathan his son are dead also. So this guy brings the news to David of what happened uh, with this battle that Saul was in with the Philistines. And there's a whole other part to this, that David and Jonathan, they were like brothers. And he's hearing that Jonathan is dead. And that Saul is dead. You know, just, just imagine getting that news and how that would feel. Mm. Verse 5, And David said unto the young man that told him, How knowest thou that Saul and Jonathan his son are dead? How do you know? Verse 6, And the young man that told him said, As I happened by chance upon Mount Gilboa, behold, Saul leaned upon his spear, and lo, the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. And when he looked behind him, he saw me, and he called unto me, and I answered, Here am I. He's saying, I was walking by this, in the battle. I saw Saul. He fell upon his spear, but he wasn't dead. He was falling on his spear, but he wasn't dead. And the Philistines were still coming after him with the horses and the chariots. And he saw me, and he said, Hey, come over here. Verse 8, And he said unto me, Who art thou? And I answered him, I am an Amalekite. He said unto me again, Stand, I pray thee, upon me, and slay me, for anguish is come upon me, because my life is yet whole in me. He's saying, you need to kill me, because I'm still alive, and these guys are coming for me. 
Verse 10, So I stood upon him and slew him because I was sure that he could not live after that he was fallen. And I took the crown that was upon his head and the bracelet that was on his arm and brought, have, and have brought them hither unto my Lord. So he tells David, Saul was leaning there. He wasn't quite dead. He asked me to kill him before the Philistines got there. I did it. I took his crown and his bracelet and I brought them here to you to, to tell you this. Then David took hold on his clothes and rent them. And likewise, all the men that were with him. They're very upset. You know, even if you know the record where Saul is chasing David and is throwing javelins at him at dinner and uh, David's hiding in caves, there was plenty of times where David could kill Saul, and he didn't. He even got as close to cut off part of his skirt to show Saul later, I could have killed you and I didn't because you were the Lord's anointed. Whether you're flying off the handle or not, you were still the Lord's anointed. Verse 13, And David said unto the young man that told him, Whence art thou? And he answered, I am the son of a stranger and a Malachite. Saul really should have listened to the word of the Lord and wiped out the Amalekites. Because it was an Amalekite that ultimately ended his life. David said unto, the, unto him, How wast thou not afraid to stretch forth thine hand to destroy the Lord's anointed. And David called one of the young men and said, Go near and fall upon him. And he smote him that he died. And David said unto him, Thy blood be upon thy head, for thy mouth hath testified against thee, saying, I have slain the Lord's anointed. So Saul had a big problem with disobeying to the point of even going to the witch of Endor, and when he couldn't get any answers from God, he tried getting answers other ways, and his disobedience created that separation between him and God. And thank God that he, David, God already had David lined up to be the next king over Israel. So you'll never be worse off for obeying God and listening to him word for word, uh, God will always take care of us. God bless. You can't bring me down, the word is on my mind.